Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Usma, and we are two moms out to save the world. My friend Kate is a passionate woman teaching women about sovereignty. And my friend Uzma is passionate about how to survive as a mom after the kids have grown and flown. Together, we want to break societal norms and bring a new perspective to life and the world around us. Join us as we create an alternate perspective for a richer life and better relations. We are two two moms moms out out to save the world. (laughs) Good morning, Uzma. Good morning, Kate. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Actually, I'm really excited because uh, you and I just got off two really great interviews, right? Future podcast. Yeah, exactly. We talked about, we talked with a witch and a sorceress. Sorceress. Yes. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Don't you think? You know, I I just love those topics because um, like I, you know, witch, the word witch has become so taboo um, and it, it, it is has some negative connotations. And, um, you know, when we talk to her, um, I'll, I'll pull up the history of it. I don't know it personally per se, but you know, men, it, it is men being afraid of women that made witch a bad word, you know, going to hunt the witches. So, um, anyway, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm super excited. I like those topics because I think there's a lot of like closet witches, um, and sorcerers and, and things of that nature out there. Well, both of them were kind of like, you know, I couldn't, things had to change in my life for me to be able to pursue this. Exactly. And uh, how did witch turn into bitch then? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Google it. Because <laughs> if these people are running after them, you know, are not approving with them, these men are running after the women, chasing yeah. them. Yes. Which had turned into bitch. Is eventually. that, is that where bitch came from? I don't know. That's what I I'm asking you. You know, you know, the history. yeah, ex- that's true. So, well, the witches are running away from the men. Yeah. Dogs run away from people. Yeah. I don't know that the witches were running from the men. I think they stood their ground. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. All right. So how was your morning? <laughs> I had a really great morning. Um, you, you know, um, you know, I, I pull a card every morning, right. Right. In my group, just to kind of give us something to think about, like what energy is coming up today? Like, what do you need to know? That's what I do. And, um, the card I pulled today was actually a message that I had asked for, for guidance just yesterday. So I thought that was really funny. (laughs) I got a call. I, it was, yeah, it's so cool. You know, it's, it, I, I just love living that way. You know how I love to live in magic and being able to just, and I, I say, they're just like stupid little questions that I have, but they really are little fundamental pieces of my life that I'm like, you know, I, should I do this or should I do that? Um, and, and I generally have a feeling one way or another, but to get confirmation, like to be able to ask, Hey, show, you know, show me, show me what the right answer is and get that confirmation is really um, just not only fun, but it's, it's super just grounding to know that you are supported that much is amazing to me. How was your morning? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was good, but I want to go back to your thing where you said you saw a frog. What does the frog mean? Oh, I asked for, so I had a question and I'm like, should I do this or should I do that? And if I should do this, if this is the answer to this question, um, 
my sign is a frog, right? Oh. So I'll see a frog yes. somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So I'll see a frog somewhere and I'll, I'll hundred percent know when it's for me. Right. Um, so yeah, so I got that confirmation today. Awesome. So now, that, now I know so what cool. to do on this thing that I was like, oh, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Yes. Yeah. And I love it because it's just all about you and your decision rather than asking five other people. Yeah. And having the outside exterior come in. Yes. And you know, them helping you decide. It's all in your own little kind of world and your own spirituality. So that's cool. You're making your own judgment. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. But we have a really cool guest today. She's my friend, Annie, and I met her in another Facebook group and she was so positive and had so much energy that I invited her into mine. And, um, I had a little interview with her and she just blew me away with her positivity and her story and everything else. So I'm going to give the platform to her. Um, she, is such a positive person. You'll hear it when you hear her talk because her voice is so happy all the time also. But she did go through some adversity, but she's come out so positive. And that's what I wanted moms to hear, that even though things don't go right, they can turn out to be positive and you can still move on. You don't have to stay stuck in that you know, mindset or that life. Don't you think, Annie? Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. so excited to hear your story, Annie. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to share it because I I firmly believe that people can take adversities and they can allow the adversity to define them, or you can define yourself through your adversity. And I feel like that's what I've done. Um, there's a lot of suck in the world. Like nobody is free from adversity, and everybody's going to go through it. If you ha- aren't going through it right now, you've probably just come out of an adversity or you're getting ready to go into an adversity. Right. And so my, my purpose, I believe in life is to help be the light for others in their time of adversity, because you can't allow it to make you better versus bitter. Oh, I love that. Better Better versus versus bitter. bitter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So why don't you (laughs) start off with telling us a little bit about yourself and then you can jump into, you know, the adversity that you did have because you didn't, you didn't go into it thinking it was going to be adversary. You went into it with an open heart and love. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a wife first. Um, a mom of three amazing adult children. I am a new grandmother, or as we call it, I'm a lolly. My husband is pop because we have a little girl who made us suckers. So, um, oh, I love, I love that, right? Love, love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we are absolutely in a new stage and loving every second of it. Um, I, Jesus is my gig and I am a firm believer in being a light for other people. And so that didn't, you know, that didn't come about because we had this easy, carefree life. That's just been wonderful. Um, is I don't think anybody really gets that right? Yeah. We all have our crosses to bear our adversities to go through. And so for me, Um, That adversity started 
really in 2005. Um, but it's an university that I held very close to my heart and as a secret until last year when I was encouraged to share it with other people. Um, I shared it with very few people because I didn't think people could understand it. Um, and honestly, we had been judged enough that I probably was protecting myself a little bit and keeping a wall up, um, so that I didn't bring on that extra judgment, but I now realize that our story can help so many other people, um, even outside of the realm that we were living in. So it started, like I said, in 2005, we were sponsoring a little girl in an orphanage in Haiti. And we had been sponsoring her for a couple of years, but my whole life growing up, I had watched my aunt and uncle who were missionaries, medical missionaries in Haiti, um, help the Haitian people. And I had always said I was going to adopt from Haiti one day, you know, from the time I was a young girl, I, I knew I wanted to adopt from Haiti. And I met an amazing man who the thought of that didn't scare him off when we were dating. And I told him. Um, And so he kind of went with me and I am the type of person when I decide to do something, I am headstrong and I'm going to do it. We're going to see it through. Right. And so 2005, we decided, like, why are we sending this little girl money every month when we could bring her to America and give her a life outside of an orphanage? Yeah. So my aunt went to Haiti and she was, uh, you know, helping with that orphanage. So she went to see if she was adoptable. And she came back and said, yes, you could adopt her, but she has a sister. So one adoption turned into two. It was a two-year process. And that is a story all in itself. Um, And I've been to Haiti. Oh, yes. So you kind of understand and you'll get this. We were scammed through the adoption the, an adoption cost ended up costing us four times the amount that it should have. I had to go to Haiti, live there for two months, kind of get things in the right order in order to get these girls home. And we did that. They came home January of 2007. And I, you know, along with my husband and our three biological children felt like our family was complete. Yeah. And we, loved these girls. They were born in our hearts. And the moment we met them in Haiti, that was it. We knew they were ours. And so we went into it with open mind, um, ready to grow our family through adoption. Very quickly on, we started noticing some big red flags. And we were equipped So we felt to take on their challenges. Nine months into our girls being home, our biological daughter, who was six at the time that they came home, finally came to me and um, let us know that they had been touching her sexually. Um, It was difficult. How old were these girls at the time? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a big, that's a big thing. (laughs) So so the girls were nine and 10 or almost nine. The oldest one was 10, 
our biological children, when they came home, were eight, seven, and six. Um, sorry, nine, eight, and six. Okay. Um, and so they were five months apart. Our boys were literally five months younger than the adopted girls. Okay. And so we had three or five kids in three years. Um, and so integration, we, we knew that could be tough. Our kids loved them. We loved them. Um, and when our daughter who was the six-year-old, you know, told us this, it, it didn't make us love them any less. We never judged them for what was going on because we knew it was a learned behavior. I we was knew- just going to say they were probably min- mimicking what had happened to them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. We knew that. So we immediately got all three girls into therapy and started focusing on helping them heal. And two years into them being home, the youngest of the two adopted came to us and let us know that her sister aggressively sexually assaulted her. And that rocked our world. Um, So we got the Otis one into a residential treatment facility for sexually reactive behaviors. Um, A lot of things had transpired up to that point. And I had gotten to a point where I was living in fear and people listening to this are going to be like, this is crazy. And, and I'm not even going to lie. I thought I was crazy. Like sure, literally thought I was crazy that I was locking my bedroom door at night with the fear. I was going to wake up to a little girl standing over me with a knife. Right. Why did I feel that way? Um, the oldest one was obsessed with my husband in a very unhealthy way. Mm. When he would come home and hug me, she would look at me with hate and rage as he would hug me. And I knew that she was looking at him in a way of desire. And, and it was no fault of his own because we made a decision early on from the advice of foster parents and things don't ever be alone with them. So they gave my husband the suggestion never to be alone with them. So there's no fault of his own. And, and honestly, there's no fault of the, of our oldest girl. Um, but it was a, an innate fear that I just was so scared that she was going to try to get rid of me in right, a work right, sense right. in order to get to him. Yeah. So when one morning I woke up and got all five kids on the bus, I just turned and whether you call it instinct led by God, I mean, intuition, I I immediately walked into their bedroom and I lifted up the Otis one's mattress and found a steak knife hidden between box spring and mattress. And And I'm not even going to lie, I went a little crazy in that moment and I ransacked the room and just looking for what else might be there. And I found four steak knives hidden in her room. Holy! And when I say hidden, it was tucked in between notebooks under, you know, the bottom of of her dresser. And And she was ready. (laughs) 
hidden. Something. Yeah. yeah. And and that validated the fear that, okay, maybe I'm not crazy. Yeah. And so when she went to the residential treatment facility, all of these things came forth when her treatment. And in the nine months that she was there, our fears were validated as well. Um, we were told that, yes, those thoughts were there. Yes, we were wise to be careful and, you know, to listen to our instinct. Um, you know, and that was, that was heart wrenching. Um, and again, I didn't blame her, you know, because this is a child. Hey, I've been to Haiti. Like the poverty there is incredible. I've, I've been to some poor parts of the world. Never in my life have I walked through or experienced something as tragic as the country of Haiti. Right. I mean, I, I can't imagine that anybody could get out of there, let alone living in an orphanage. Like people are poor enough. Nobody's given money to that orphanage unless it comes from overseas. Right. It, it It's just, and, and, and just how corrupt that country. Oh, I mean, yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So how are you feeling in all of this? Like what were the emotions? Uh, they were all over the place because my desire to have our family and what I pictured as our family, that was somewhat broken, but I had that, that motherly urge that I could fix it. Yeah. You know, moms right. are meant to fix things, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that naively I thought love could fix all of it, that love could fix it. Love heals all things. Right. right. And, and that is what I firmly believed. And it, it wasn't until seven months into the Otis One's hospital stay that we found out that our youngest one, who we thought was not as bad as the oldest one, right? Um, much easier child at home to deal with. You know, they had reactive attachment disorder. They had all these things, but she was much easier. And we found out seven months in that she had lied. She had lied about her sister aggressively sexually assaulting her. Why? because she wanted to see if her sister would go to jail. Oh my gosh. And in that moment, I knew that if she would lie about her only constant she's ever had in her life, her own biological sister. Sorry. Take your time. Yeah. I knew in that moment that she would, she was capable of anything. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and that scared me and that scared me. And, when I asked her, you know, why she lied and she, she confirmed me, I just wanted to see if she'd go to jail. And I started crying. I knew there was nothing, there was no remorse in her um, because she looked at me, I'm, I'm sitting here crying. And she looked at me and she's like, mom, is it time for me to go to ball? You know, I mean, it's like, move, let's move on. Let's go to ball. And, um, that was a hard thing to swallow because I thought this was the child that I saved. She was so seemingly happy when her sister went to treatment that she, she was relieved that she was gone and out of the home. And she told me she loved me for the very first time the, the day that she found out her sister wasn't coming home. And, and I, I realized in an instant, it was a game that all of that was a game. So with the advice of 
psychologists, um, psychiatrists, the whole gamut, we started petitioning the courts to, to get the youngest one help. And, um, they thankfully through a, a, you know, a fight and a wonderful judge, they ordered the state to step in and, and help us get her treatment too. And, and the only reason that the state had to step in is because you can't af- nobody can afford yes. you know, the, the cost of treatment. It's you yes. know, $28,000 yeah. a month and they didn't take private insurance, nor would private insurance pay for it. And they didn't take private pay. So the only option would be to get the state involved. And so we did that. And when the youngest one went into the treatment facility, the very first night, the psychiatrist who had been dealing with our oldest one called me and said, Miss Desmond, I, I don't think that we can help this one. And I said, what do you mean you can't help her? You, of course you can help her. Like, right. Yeah. We're helping. We've helped the other right. one. Of course right. we can help this one. Exactly. And I said, no, you know, no, she's too far gone. She has no remorse no sympathy, no affect. There's absolutely nothing left to this little girl. She is an empty shell. And there's no magic switch to turn that back on, Miss Desmond. You knew to be afraid of the oldest one and you were right. But I'm telling you right now, this one is capable of anything, but you will be dead before you even know she's thinking of it. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was the night that we knew we had to make the toughest decision of our entire lives because he said, I'm not recommending reunification for your family. I don't recommend that she's ever put back into your home because someone is going to be hurt. Yes. Yeah. And you have to think about your other children as well, right? That's a huge factor. If it was just you and your husband, you'd be like, well, let's, but having three other children there is, yes, yeah. And that was the hardest thing because we knew we had two little girls who the doctor was telling us we can't fix. Yeah. But if we didn't do something, we were going to have three more children. Yeah. Who we could potentially lose, you know, um, or I don't mean lose in a sense of even death, but lose mentally. Yeah. And get to a point where we couldn't fix them. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was not through the lack of love that we made a decision. It was, is for the love of everyone involved that we made the hardest decision of our life and to turn them over to state's custody permanently. And I've kept, I kept the secret. Like we did, you don't go out when you're living through something like this. You don't go out and tell people, right? You're not going to tell people, hey, you know, our adopted daughters are sexually abusing our yeah. child. You probably don't you know, go out, right? Yeah. You're probably uh, home. a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're you kind of hold yourself up, and you're living, you know, you're 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 living with this secret, and and you don't want to leave anybody alone. Exactly. No, you can't. Yeah, you know, you can't. And we were actually told by the state that they couldn't be left alone. And yeah. so like, you don't, to that matter, you don't tell people that, Hey, we have video cameras in our home watching our children's every move. And at night there's alarms that go off that alert us to whether the children cross 
the wow. camera right. to get to another child. Yeah. And there, the cameras immediately start recording yeah. when the wow. alarms go off. And you don't tell people that you are basically living in your own little asylum. Yeah. Your own little nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because you have children involved, right? Yeah. You, you don't tell people that the, the children, the two girls were sexual partners. And, you know, there was no aggressive sex, sexual assault. It was all mutual and agreed upon. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't tell those things. Yeah. Because there's children involved. And, and uh, this is where I really need to state. I have permission from my 21 year old daughter to share this. Okay. Like I'm not not sharing this without permission that she gave me permission to share this story um, because it's her story too, yes. you know, yeah. and, and it's our son's story and it's my husband's story. And as a family, we decided that it was time to share um, because although I kept it a secret for so long, you know, we lived when we lived in judgment, we live in a small town and people judge us because they don't understand when you have kids and all of a sudden you don't have kids. They right. think that you just didn't love them enough or you just, yeah. you know, um, and, and no, they didn't go back to Haiti. They're in the United States. They're, you know, they're now 23 and 24 or 25 now. And, you know, they, you just don't tell. So, but I now know that in sharing my story, I can help other people. We, we helped people through the adoptions and I became a a part of even adoption agencies, board of directors. So I could be the voice for people like us. Um, I've helped other adoptive families and that's the realm I stayed in. We are 12 years out from this adversity. And I stayed in that realm because I knew I was not going to allow it to be in vain. Our, our story would not be in vain and I would help others because of it. And I did that. Yeah. But I never shared it outside of that because I didn't see the bigger picture. And now I know, you know, there's children who are abused themselves. Yes. There's in, in my story may help them. There's, moms who've gone through this. There's families who've gone through exact situation, but you know, maybe there's a mom of an abused child out there and she's living within that guilt that her child was abused and she didn't know, and she didn't see it. And I've been there and I'm sorry, you know? Yeah. Um, and to the children who didn't get help from parents when they were abused, you know, speaking from the, the side of the parent, I will own it for them and say, I'm sorry, because I know what it's like, you know, to, to go through that. And so I know that now, even if a child wasn't abused by an adopted sibling, the pain is still the same. Sexual abuse is sexual abuse. Yes. And the pain and the guilt is the same across the board and that our story can help other people. But why am I so positive? Right? Because that story sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sucks. Yeah, I love I, yes, exactly. Yeah. I know. Big yes. I just wanted to say that you are such a strong person. <laughs> you know, you are so strong. You know, like this is the first time you've heard this story, Kate. I've it, heard yeah, it. it's it, and, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I, I heard a similar story years ago. 
um, from a man who um, adopted two Russian girls that, that were, um, you know, their mom was an, were, was an alcoholic and very similar story. Like they had to turn them over. They, yeah, it, it, it was a, a horrible situation and it always, it, it is sex is a big thing, yeah. right? They, yeah. I'm sure they were sexually abused. They, um, when I first met them, I thought that one of the daughters was like a girlfriend of this guy and they were adopted daughters, but this girl was like hanging all over this adopt adoptive father. It yes. was, Get it, it was, it was incredible. And he said to me, I, I would not wish this on anybody. I wish we never did this, you know, and, and it's I, probably different for him. And maybe and I, he's come out the other end in a, yes. as, in a different perspective. But at that time he was like, this has destroyed our family. Yes. You know, in, in, in most cases it does, the statistics show that 80% of families who go through a disrupted adoption like that end up divorced, sure. they end up destroyed because reactive attachment disorder is absolutely insane. And the manipulation that comes along with it, it's called triangulation. They, they try to turn one parent against the other or family members against the parents. And the manipulation is so deep that a lot of times one parent sees it, the other parent doesn't because they play games. Right. Yeah. And I am blessed that my husband said, I've never doubted you. Yes. I knew what you told me was true. I knew what, you were saying happened while I was gone was what was happening because you've never lied to me a day in your life. And I know you're not lying about this, you know, because things would happen like one of them laid out in the floor screaming and cussing at me and drool and tears until she sees her dad's lights pull in the driveway and she jumps up, shuts it off like a water faucet, stands behind the counter. And as he walks in, she says, hi, daddy. And that's so fascinating to me. Because yeah. I, I, as an adult, I don't know how to be manipulative. I'm, <laughs> and to have, at such a young age to have all that, you know, right. puzzle and brain power to do that. It's just. And it's, it's brought out of fear, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. brought out of fear. And again, I never blame the kids yeah, um, because they did what they had to do to survive. They, they did what they had to do to survive the abuse that they endured in Haiti. Um, we know through all the therapy, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the, the loss of parents, the, you know, we know everything that happened that formed them into those empty shells and the fear that if I allow this lady who says she loves me to get close to me, I'll lose her too. So yeah. guess what? I'm going to keep her at, at arm's width. I am not going to let her get close to me. I'm going to make her hate me or make her, you know, try to make her hate me so that I don't hurt when she dies too, or I don't hurt when she hurts me too. Yeah. And although that wasn't going to happen in our home, it doesn't change the thought process for the child. They've heard enough. They're not going to allow to be hurt again. Right. So for us, it was a little bit different because I, my mama's heart hurt for them so deeply And I like, we loved big, we loved hard and I still love them big and hard just at a distance. Yeah. 
So for us, and, and this is part of my positivity, right? I held on to the things I could be grateful for. I held on to the positives. So I wasn't their forever, their forever mom. I was the stepping stone that got them out of the living hell they were in in Haiti. Yeah, we were that stepping stone. I, you know, I pray that the seeds that we planted in them while they were with us somehow grow and bloom and and make them a better person somewhere down the road, right? But if I had left them in Haiti, they'd had no chance in life. Yeah, none. Yeah. And so, although I 100% understand adoptive family saying we regret ever doing this, I don't regret getting them out of Haiti and getting them out of the abuse. I regret what happened to our family, but we came out stronger. My kids learned about unselfish love and giving of others. My daughter, although, or my my biological daughter, although days were hard and things were hard and definitely there was, you know, issues. She's such an amazing adult, such an amazing adult and an amazing mom. And, you know, I, I look back and she's, she's the type that when she hears of other people going through something that she can now give advice from the perspective of going through it, you know? Right. And so I don't, I regret what happened. Yes. Sure. And I wouldn't wish it on my, you know, worst enemy, not that I have them, but I, don't, <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And there's people that are probably listening to this podcast and they're thinking like, this is freaking crazy. Like this lady's nuts. And if that is you thinking this, I'm going to say, I thank God that you can think that way. Because it simply means you've never gone through it. That's right. You don't yes. know anybody that's gone through it. Yes. And, and I will take that judgment on and I will give thanks because it means yes. that no one's gone, that that person hasn't gone through it. If you can judge me, you don't know. And I'm glad for you. But have you found gratefulness in the situation in, in the fact that, you, you know, even maybe you didn't know or think of it at the time, you were a strong enough person. Your family was a strong enough unit to get through this, that on the other side, now you're able to, to, to look at it and be able to give guidance and advice and, um, and, you know, be, be a spokesperson where maybe there wasn't one before to help people through this. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, we have been that I have been that, you know, for a a long time when I was helping other adoptive families going through it, my husband was like, why, you know, like you're having to relive it over and over again. And I'm like, because, because I can't not. Yeah. I can't not. That's what you're here for. I I didn't have anybody when we were going through it. Yeah. So if I can be that sounding board for someone, if I can give them the tips and the advice and, that love just, just to know you're not alone. And probably isolating all the, I mean, you went through a lot of guilt and shame, I'm sure. Yeah. A ton of guilt and shame. And to be able to say to that mom or that dad, that, that was only trying to do what was best for that child. 
you know, to that yes. you went through it, to be able to let go of that guilt and shame, look at the other side of what you have done. Absolutely. We went into it maybe with naive hearts, but we went into it with love and that love doesn't go away. And that's the same for every parent. You know, I think sometimes the guilt overtakes people. You know, do I still have day, days that I sit down in my shower and cry? You better believe it. Yeah. You better believe it. Do I still have difficult days? Yes. Very difficult days. Um, and I think that being able to finally talk about it and let other people know our story is probably helped some. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not this dirty secret that I've held in, in fear that I would be judged. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't yeah. care. Well, I think people yeah. should be more authentic like you, because when you tell your story, you help other people as well. So if there's somebody listening to the podcast who's going through something really hard and they're like, yeah, Annie's so positive. She can go out. What would you say if they're stuck and they just need to get into that positive mindset? What can they do? What would a it's step be? I think it's a mental shift. You have to seek out the positives. If you're living in what I, I call it living in the suck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's living in the suck. If you're living in the suck and you are dwelling on the negative part of the suck, you will stay in the negative. This is life advice for no matter what you're going through, right? Yes. This is practicing gratitude. This is, this is, this is quantum physics. This yes. is the energy you put out there. You will attract, you attract. to you a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And so I had to shift the narrative in my yeah. head. Yep. Right. Number one, it, it wasn't our fault. We, we did what we did out of love. I had to shift to, we were the stepping stone. Yeah. Right. I had to start looking at the positives of our situation versus looking at the negatives. I had to start thinking about the fun times that we had with the girls, the wonderful moments, even if they were few and far between, I had to look, I had to just focus on the good. Right. That we brought into that situation. Yeah. Um, I had to look at the fact that if I, if I hadn't gone through it, I couldn't help others. That's right. And how, yeah. you know, and, and I, I feel like too, when, when, we as humans go through these things and there are other humans that don't go through difficult times, right? We all know those people that, yeah. that not just seemingly have an easy life, but, but really have an easy life be because they haven't taken big chances and, and big steps. Right. And how much more fulfilled do you think your life is now? Oh, from going through that and being able to share that support and, and knowing how, how, um, how strong your constitution is. Yes. So it's so much better. And I, and I think as the whole family unit, yeah. Right. We're, we're able to handle the little things. Cause I think that everybody goes through adversities in their own way, in their maybe own way. a little yeah. adversity, yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, that might, little yeah. adversity can be big and yes. be, can be monumentous, right? For us and as a family, we've gone through the big suck. Yes. So it's helped us survive the smaller sucks, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I broke my I broke my back the year after the girls 
left our home and I was, and you know, I've had two spinal fusions and so what? So what? <laughs> I broke my, so, so what? I've gone through worse. Yeah. yeah. Breaking my back is nowhere near the adversity of what I'd already lived through. Yeah. yeah. It's all perspective, you know? right? And it, it's all about perspective. And so, and again, shifting the narrative. Yeah. Could I have been paralyzed? A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. And I was told I was lucky I wasn't. So I looked at, okay, I live in pain every day. Thank God I live in pain every day. Right. The flip side of that is I could be paralyzed and not feel the pain. That's right. So for me, it really, that big adversity helped navigate my life and put me on a trajectory where I could handle anything. You know, some people freaked out over COVID. Some people were devastated and, you know, over being quarantined and it threw them into deep depressions. And I laughed in its face. Like, right, you're, and I yeah. don't say that cavalier yeah. for me. So what? I've gone through worse. It, it is yeah. amazing how this country, you know, like, your, your story, there's so many, there's so many stories out there. I mean, you, you know, look at what's going on with the, the war in Ukraine right now, right. That, that our biggest deal was wearing a mask and getting vaccinated. Yes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right? Like and, that and was the big, advert, the big suck the, yeah. right. for so many people. <laughs> and, and I am not, I, I know firsthand how how severe COVID is and the loss of life. And I've yeah. seen it and <laughs> yeah. I've dealt with it. You know, I, so I'm not in any way diminishing. No, 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 no. There no, are people yeah. who yeah. have lost family members yes. and whose entire lives have changed. And um, so I'm not diminishing that, but when people were stressing over putting a mask on, yeah. like you said, or getting so they vaccinated. didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, or be, just being locked in their home in the beginning. That is when I started my power and positivity group. Yeah. You know, because, and I, and I, again, what happened from 2007 to 2010 in the three years, those girls were in my home in the positive mindset shift that I took on helped me down the road. And I look at it as the ripple effect that it's a, that it is created, you know, I, a year prior to COVID-19, I was telling my best friend, I feel like I'm supposed to start a, a positivity group. I feel yeah. like I'm supposed to start a positivity group and I never pulled the trigger. COVID hit. And I was like, no, now people need it more than ever. Let's That's spread right. positivity like a freaking virus. That's people right. need that. They do now. And so I started the, a pot, it's called power and positivity on Facebook. And, you know, it's grown to almost 3000 people. Wow. Yeah. It's well done. You need it. Yes. Right. You. Yeah. And we'll link it down in the show notes too. So it's amazing how people get stuck in their own sh- just shit. Like, like, yeah. and, and I was one of those people. I really was. And, and it really is retraining your brain, right? Yes. Like, like if you think negatively for so long, your brain is just used to thinking that way. So it's going to continue. It really takes a conscious shift and it's very yes. 
hard to do initially, but once you do it and you start realizing, oh, wow, when I think positive, good things happen to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to do more of it. You, exactly. So it is so, so true. And, you know, for those listening, I've been in the dark of the dark. I was the mom when the girls, when it was finally, they were taken from our home at, I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. That, I've been yeah. in the dark of the dark. Um, but I've also realized that it's why I'm the light now. That's amazing. That's, That's so amazing. amazing. That's a great, yeah, a great yeah. way to end this. That's 100%. I love that. You are the light. I mean, thank you so much for sharing the story. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh. It's you incredible. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is incredible. You know, the, and, and, and the power of love and don't discount that they don't still, they still have that love inside of them. Yeah. And you and, gave them some normality. Yeah. That is, that is truly my prayer. And, you know, no matter what belief religion, you know, yeah. whether it's the universe, or, you know, whatever you believe, God, you whatever the belief, because I am a no judgment. No, I love everybody. And for me, it has been my greatest prayer that God would wrap his loving arms around them and allow them to feel that and to feel our love with it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I still love them big. I bet you do. Yeah. Yeah. So well, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you so yeah, much. So you really show that women and moms, especially have that power within them, you know, you really brought that out. So thank you so much, Annie, once again, you know, I just can't say enough. And I so appreciate you coming on and telling your story and helping other moms as well. Well, you are so welcome. And thank you for inviting me on, you know, and I'm, I'm an open book. So if, if there are people out there who relate to the story or who are going through something similar, but connect with me because, you know, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, or if you just need to talk, you know, send me a message and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to, to be there to support others um, and to love on others. So I know that, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me to be on because it gave me a platform to be able to help more people. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to walk these things alone. And I think no. that's one thing COVID has shown us because I started my group too. I know Uzma did that, that there are people out there that can support you who know what you've been through. And if I don't know firsthand, I bet I know somebody who does that yeah. I right. can you to. Exactly. So, well done. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you so ladies. much.